right, and uh, just by way of introduction, again, we have Mike Grant with us. He's a teacher at New Brunswick Bible Institute, and Mike and I have known each other probably for about 15 years or so. Um, and I used to, when I was teaching the missions courses there at MBBI, I used to have Mike come and he would fill in for me sometimes, and then other times I'd have him do special classes there. And um, they were formerly missionaries in Bolivia, served there for over 10 years. And one of the things about Mike and your wife Tilly, your whole family really, they just are servants. And I will say that publicly, um, they just love people and are willing to do just about anything, you know, within God's will and go wherever. And I've just appreciated that over the years, seeing that in his life and, and reflected. And I think if you've been here for the last couple nights, also reflected in the messages. It's from the heart. So, brother, come on up tonight, or today this morning, whatever it is, and, uh, and share with us. All right? Thank you. Well, good morning. It has been great uh, to be here. I've really enjoyed uh, my time here and very much appreciate your, your pastor. And yes, we, we go back, and I, I, I remember some of those conversations we, we used to have. And uh, I, I remember one time we had you in, in, in our house. I won't talk about the incident that happened there when a mouse appeared in the dining hall. But in our dining room, you remember that story. Oh, that was, but uh, we don't live in that house anymore. But, uh, oh, folks, it's been here. It's great being here. And... Uh, when I saw we were going to sing Bring Them In, Friday night we talked about praying. And I, I want to share, uh, I'm not bringing my phone up here uh, to text my wife, don't worry. Um, there are great resources to help us pray. And one of the ones that I like is the Joshua Project app. And I just want to share with you, as we sang about bringing it in, I was challenged this morning uh, this morning, the, the, the people group that they asked to pray for this morning is the Shepang in India. And it says that there's 84,000, or sorry, 8,100 and, sorry, 81,400 of them. Zero Christians. Now, there are people groups a lot larger than that, but you think about that. 81,400 of them, zero Christians. And, and they are a combination of Hindu and animistic. And, and uh, reading down through this, I won't take the time, but I was, was really challenged. And get this, it says, they've never seen a Bible. They've never seen a Bible. Folks, there's a lot to do. And so I would encourage you to consider getting a good app to help you pray. And again, that challenged me this morning. And so I encourage you to, to, to roll up your sleeves and get involved. And some of you are now in, in praying for, for missions and missionaries. And those people need the gospel. They need the gospel. How many of us have multiple copies of the Bible in even different forms and yet they haven't even seen a Bible. There is much to do. Also, uh, if you're interested in going in a missions trip, my wife and I were 19 and a half years with formerly known uh, New Tribes Mission Ethnos, and I'm now on the board. And we have several forms of mission trips. And on, on Margaret's table out there, there's a brochure, mission trips. And on the back, it'll, it'll tell you. Uh, about them different mission trips. Years ago, we took a, a team from NBBI, went down to Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania, to go through a program called Wyumi. It's an excellent program, excellent program. 
And a few years ago, uh, I was struggling because I was trying to recruit people to go to Wyoming. It's an excellent, it's a college credited course that Liberty, uh, Moody, and Frontier require their mission majors to take this course. And I just couldn't get people to, to go because from Woodstock, it's a 14, 13, 14 hour drive. People didn't want to go that far. And so I was just praying about this, and one night, uh, a good friend of mine who the Lord used to challenge me with missions, Wayne Smith. I don't know if you folks are aware of Wayne Smith. He comes from the metropolis of East Hodgton, which is just outside of Holton. Population of 14 people, I think. But him and his wife have been in Columbia over 30 years, and he called me, and my wife was having a missionary meeting that night in our house, and he said, bro, can I come and hang out with you? And I said, please, I got something I want to share with you. And he came and I said, I'm so burdened because I want to take people to Wyoming. And he was having the same problem. He was trying to get people to go to Wyoming. And he said, what do we do? And I said, I want to start my own. And uh, so we called Greg Sanford. We talked to Greg Sanford. And long story short, we, we started a program. We call it Rikapuna. Rikapuna is a tribal word that comes out of Bolivia, and it means you heard about something. There's an event happening. Let's not just sit around. Let's go. That's what it means. Let's go. And so we started that, and we run it at Tay Valley Bible Camp. And last year, the Lord laid it on our heart to take it on the road. And uh, we went down to St. John. We ran it in St. John, and we had 300 people come through it. And then we went over to PEI, and we had over 80 people uh, come through it. This year, we're going to go further and going to do it in Western Canada because we're going where the people are. People don't want to travel. We'll come to you. We're going to do it in Western Canada. We're going to do it again either in um, Tay Valley Bible Camp or somewhere else, but it'll be posted on the website. You can go to ethnos.ca and then mission trips. But I would highly encourage you. And what I'm going to share this morning... Don't worry, Wayne and I put together a three-hour course, Biblical Basis for Missions. I'm not going to give you the three-hour course this morning. I would love to, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just hit some of the high points, if you will. Folks, years ago, I had, not, I had no desire. I didn't want anything to do with missions. I called missionaries moochinaries. I thought they were the people that just couldn't make it in the world. They were the Christian Welfare Society, if you will. And God challenged my heart. And the more I study God's word, I see his heartbeat for the nations. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, we are not deserving. But Lord, we've been blessed to grow up hearing your word, being exposed to your word. And each and every one here has a story uh, how, how they have come to Christ. And it's an amazing story. And the story of salvation is an exciting story. Your exciting story. And, and we have a message to tell the nations. And Lord, burden our heart for missions. And there is much to do. Thank you, Lord, for how you're using ministries here in Maine like CEF and Blueberry Mountain Bible Camp. Lord, continue to use them. Continue to use this church and other churches' main needs. People that are teaching and proclaiming the gospel. 
And, and there are many, many people, like the sheep hang in India, that have never heard the gospel. And we have a responsibility. Guide us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to start in Genesis. Genesis chapter uh, 11. Genesis chapter 11. And this, this is the, the passage, the story, the Tower of Babel. And it tells us here in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. The whole earth was one language and one speech. You know what I find interesting? Wherever I go, I ask this question. Now here, I've got to be careful. I don't want to, I don't want to start a split. Was it, in, was it English or French? Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Let's go for lunch. You go to Bolivia, and they'll tell you it was Spanish, unless you're talking to the Quechua, and they'll tell you it's Quechua. You go to Brazil, they'll tell you it's Portuguese. We don't know what language it was. It's interesting. We all tend to think it's our language. We don't know. But it was one language, one speech. And it said, verse 2, And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. Verse 4, And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us Make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. Did you catch the emphasis there? Us, us, we. Let us, let us, let us. That's why I like beef. Oh, sorry. <laughs> let us, let us, let us. You know, a lot of people today say this is the age of the selfie and whatnot. They didn't have cell phones. Where was the focus? It was on them. Them. Let us, let us, let us. And, and notice that. Lest we be scattered abroad. Why didn't they want to be scattered abroad? It's a good question to ask. Verse 5 says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, and the children of the man builded. Which the children of the man builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they all have one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Verse 7, go to, let us, the Trinity, go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord scattered them abroad from upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did confuse the language of all the earth. And from thence the Lord scattered them upon the face of all earth. What didn't they want to do? Scatter. What did God do? He scattered them. So let me ask you again, why didn't they want to scatter? And why did God scatter them? We'll hopefully answer that later. Turn now back to Genesis chapter 1. If you were here last night, you would have heard Margaret. And I knew what Margaret was doing. And I said, oh, that's great. She's going to do a good introduction for what we're looking at this morning. And in Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, in the beginning of, of time, God always was, God always existed. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, and you know what, folks? I believe the word of God. And last night I talked about an Ethiopian pastor who struggled with that. But now he believes the word of God is truth and in the authority of the word of God. 
We need to be very careful because one thing that we so often do is we say, well, the Bible says this, but science tells me this. We run everything through the word of God. And I believe that God created. And and we got to be careful with that because the power, the authority, the sovereignty of God as he spoke things into existence. And and, uh, maybe it's because I'm, I'm a teacher. Maybe because I'm a parent or maybe because I'm just me. I like to ask questions. Why did God create? You see, God wasn't lacking anything. God was 100% complete. He did not need anything. But there must have been a reason why he created. And when he created, it tells us in the next verse that the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon it. And that's how God created But you know what, folks? He didn't leave it that way. God created. And as we read on, we see that God filled the earth. He created it with void, empty, and darkness. We see in the next verse, he said, let there be light. And there was light. God is light. God is light. And and then we go on down through, we see that he made the ferment. And then going down to verse 9, God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and so it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and gathered together of the waters, and called he seas. And God saw that it was good. You know, and everything that God created was good. Some translations put very good. Verse 11 those of you that know me knew I grew up on a farm. And I, I love farming. Every once in a while I get teased at NBBI. They say, when are you getting a cow? Uh, a few years ago before we lived on property, I, I emailed my wife one day. She taught for 10 years in the Greater Holton Christian Academy. And I emailed her and I said, honey, what do you think about getting a cow? And she said, can we talk about it tonight? And I emailed her back and said, sure. But the cow is coming at three. <laughs> Oops. But this verse here, look at this in verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed was in itself and upon the earth. And God spoke this into existence. Grass, herbs, and fruit trees. And look all that came in under the umbrella of that. Color, taste. Smell, and he spoke it into existence. Like, what an amazing God! Folks, be careful that you're not too busy in life that you don't enjoy God's creation. You know, we lived for three and a half years in Bolivia in a very remote place, it was about two hours past the middle of nowhere. And you know what I noticed though? No electricity. We had running water because I ran and got it. (laughs) But you know what, folks? None of those Bolivians have blood pressure problems. None of them are stressed out. None of them have problems with anxiety. And they live longer than us. I'm not that smart, but I figured it out. They're a lot more relaxed. And, And they don't have the things that we have. So be careful. 
Don't get too busy and enjoy his creation. Make sure you take time to enjoy. Now, you know what I find interesting is here in verse 11 that he spoke these things into existence on the third day of creation, but it wasn't until verse 14 on the fourth day of creation that it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth. And so it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And so he, he spoke the sun, the moon, and the stars into existence. But just a second. He made grass, herbs, and fruit trees prior to the sun. How did they exist? How many of you go out in the dead of winter and pick apples? If, if we go to Revelation chapter 21... We see in the beginning, there was no need of the sun, the moon, or the stars, because what? God was the light. He was the energy. He was the heat source. And there was no need of it. And then we go to Revelation chapter 1. I don't know, folks, but I can't begin to imagine what heaven is going to be like. Some Christians have told me it's going to be boring. What are they reading It says here in Revelation chapter 21, and I'm going to start at verse 22, and it says, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple thereof. Can you imagine what it's going to be like forever to be with God and the Lord Jesus Christ? We're never going to fully exhaust knowing them. And then the next verse says, The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon or the stars. In the beginning, there was no need of the sun, moon, or the stars. And in the end, eternity, future, there's not going to be any need. Why? Because the verse says, the glory of God did lighten it. Too often we have a small God and big problems. When it should be small problems and a big God. Do you know him? (laughs) The glory of God is the light thereof. So there was no need of the sun, moon, or the stars in the beginning. And there's not going to be in the end. God is light. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. Again, let me say it. Don't get too busy that you miss God's creation. I'm the director of Tay Valley Bible Camp now. And one of the things that I love about Tay Valley Bible Camp it's interesting where I lived in Bolivia because it's four kilometers off the road. The Karens have been there. Pastor Jack used to speak there. It's four kilometers off the road. And so there's no electricity. We have a generator. But you know what? Every summer I'm amazed because kids say, wow, look at the stars. And, and the pictures that they take of God's creation. It is amazing. Uh, by the way, go to Blueberry Mountain Bible Camp. Trying to recruit me. I could sense that this morning. God's creation is amazing. God created. He created for a purpose. Why? To glorify him. To glorify him. There's a verse in Job. And it says that when the morning stars sang. And that means when they came into existence. That the angels shouted for joy. 
See, angels were created, if we follow the creation story, and we don't have time to get into every detail, but the angels were there, and then all of a sudden God spoke the sun, moon, stars into existence, and the angels couldn't contain themselves. Even though they had been with God, they saw God's glory. They saw his power. Take time. Be still and know that I am God. Recognize his creation. What the Lord used to get me involved in missions was I took a a missions trip to Venezuela in 1994. It was in the jungle of Venezuela. I keep going to the middle of nowhere. It's in several different places. We were deep in the jungle of Venezuela on the Orinoco River. And with a people group called the Pume. And the missionary was learning their language. They also had never heard of the Bible. And one day I was down to the river with the missionary Joe Coe and a, and a couple Bume people. And I, and I got this idea. There was, there was a little frog there and I grabbed him. And I, and I took that frog and I said, Joe, I want to explain the Big Bang Theory to this tribal person. Sorry, Margaret. And I did. And, and this tribal person said, that's nonsense. He said, you mean to tell me that people back in North America believe that that's what happened? This guy had never heard of God. And then he took the frog and he said, look at that thing on his throat, you know, the, like the bubble gum. You know, bloop, 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 bloop. He said, that right there tells me that there's a creator. I don't know who he is. But that frog was created and he's magnificent. And then he went on to say he's good to eat too. Because they eat frogs. I didn't eat him. But that frog showed him that there's a creator. And God created for a purpose. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament shows his, his handiwork. Psalms 104 verse 31 says, The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. Isaiah 43 7 says that he has made us for his glory. Folks, if the sun, the moon, the stars, the plants, and the animals bring him glory, how much more should we bring him glory? In fact, now coming back to Genesis and and through creation down to verse 26, and, and God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. We are made in the image of God. And remember, everything God made, he made for a purpose. And that was to bring him glory. And then he went on to say to have dominion over the fish of the sea. You know, I'm not going to get into a political argument here this morning. But there's several people in my family that are truck drivers. And one of my relatives told me, I won't mention the state. But if he's in this state and, and it's cold at night and he runs his truck at night to keep warm, he'll get a ticket. If he has his dog in the truck with him and he doesn't run his truck, he gets a ticket. So the dog is more valuable than him. We've reversed it. Hey, I love animals. I do. But we're to have dominion, folks. We're to have dominion. We're to be good stewards of him. But we've, we've reversed it in verse 27. So God created man in his image. And in the image of God created he, him, male and female, created he, them. And then God blessed them and said, multiply, be fruitful, and, and, and fill the earth. 
That's what God wanted. God wanted. And you know what, folks? God didn't make any mistakes. When we realize who we are and that we were made in in his image. And you know what? That must have really upset Satan. That must have really upset Satan. Because if you remember his five I wills, he said, I will be like the most high. That's who he desired to be. And it's very interesting, little rabbit trail in that, that Satan could not even exceed God. He couldn't even in his mind think beyond God because we are all under God. And Satan wanted to be like God. How do you think that impacted him when God made man in his image? It must have really upset him. It's no wonder that today he is doing all that he can to rob the glory of God. And if he can do anything to distract us and to get us away from God and, and, and to either sin or to continue in sin and not glorify God, he will do it. Be on guard, folks. He's like a roaring lion. And we know that then he came along and he caused Adam and Eve to sin. He couldn't get the glory that he wanted, so he did anything he could. But you see, he didn't realize. I love football, okay? Now, my wife and I, we're, we're a different couple. My wife is from Pennsylvania. She grew up loving football. I'm sorry, but she's an Eagles fan, okay? Oh, I see we got one believer here, okay? She's an Eagles fan. And you know what? I grew up liking hockey, and she introduced football to me. I didn't get it at first. I thought, what? They put all that work in to go two inches? Like... Come on. (laughs) But what do you try to do in football? You try to come up with a play that you can catch him off guard. And sometimes they even do trick plays, don't they? And, And the enemy thought he could do something. But he didn't know that God had a plan. And and even in that story, and Margaret hit on it last night in verse 15, he said of chapter 3, I didn't put this on the PowerPoint, but I I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, but thou shall bruise his heel. Promise of the deliverer right there that someday he was going to come along and crush the head of a serpent, the serpent, Satan, Satan. How do you kill a snake? Crush his head. By the way, some people are afraid of going to the mission field. In fact, the night before we left to go to Bolivia, my uncle, a very rugged man, farmer, came to me and with tears, he said, Mike, don't go to Bolivia. He said, you're going to have to sleep standing up because of the snakes and the spiders. Folks, I never once slept standing up. I've seen more snakes in Pennsylvania than I did in Bolivia. Don't go to Pennsylvania. Don't tell tourism Pennsylvania that. I've seen more snakes in my father's workshop. One time I opened up his toolbox and there was a black racer in there. What was he doing in the toolbox? Never had that happen in Bolivia. So don't use excuses, guys. Don't use excuses of, 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 of being afraid. And so he's going to crush the head of that serpent. 
So God created everything. Everything he created, he created for a purpose. And everything he created, he filled. He filled. And, and that creation brings him glory. Oh, we got to remember that. Now, backing up to the first question. Remember they said, lest we be scattered. Lest we be scattered. And then God came down and, and he scattered them. You know, I, I believe as God says here... Let me read this verse again when he created man. He said in Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. He wanted man to fill the earth. We go to chapter 9 and, and just after the flood, when Noah and his sons come out of the ark, verse, chapter 9 verse 1, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And in verse 7, in case they didn't get it, he said it again in verse 7. And you be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth. That God wanted to fill the earth with people. Why? Why? Keep thinking about that. He had a purpose. And all, all through the Old Testament, we see the theme, Genesis chapter 12. What did God say to Abraham? In thee all of the earth shall be blessed. Coming through your lineage, said the same thing to Isaac. In thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Jacob, in, in thy seed. <laughs> Revelation 5, 9, we see that around the throne, there's going to be someone from every tribe, people, tongue, and, and nation. You know what? The only way that they can be there is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, but by me. Ye must be born again. And, and, and Jesus came to pay the price. He was the one that crushed the head of the serpents. We go to John chapter 8. Remember, God is light. We go to John in, in chapter 8 and, and verse 12. Maybe some of you have memorized this verse. If you haven't, it, it's a good one to memorize. And, and John chapter 8 and verse 12. And then Jesus spoke to them again and he said, I am the light of the world. We've got to grow in our understanding of who he is. And, and the power uh, of, of God. And then it says, And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. What happens when someone comes to Christ? I've told a couple different stories to people this week of things that have happened in Bolivia and people that were animistic when they came to Christ. Other people said, When I look in their eyes, they now have light in their eyes. They now have hope in their eyes. Before then there was darkness. And, and we see a change in them. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. <laughs> and he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but what? Shall have the light of life. God created. He created everything for a purpose. And then he filled everything. Folks, we can't on our own bring glory to God. Before salvation, we, we can be the best person, ethics and morals, but we can't bring glory to God. But when we come to Christ, to use the terminology, the lights come on. Because we have the light in us. 
Ephesians 5.18 says, and don't be filled with wine wherein is excess, but what? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. That we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything God created, He created for a purpose, and then He filled it. John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And so when someone comes to Christ, the, the light comes on. Well-known passage as well in Matthew chapter 5. In the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is, is teaching them there that the, the greatest message ever starts off in verse 13, that you're the salt of the earth. And then verse 14, he says, ye are the light of the world. How many grew up singing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. You know guys, when we lived in that remote place in Bolivia... We had a generator, but we didn't run it that often. When we ran it, we charged up our batteries. And you know what we did in the evening? <laughs> in each room, those of you that are familiar with cars years ago, we used the 1157 taillight bulb. One taillight bulb suspended from the highest point of that room. And one taillight bulb, I could be sitting in the room and I could read. I could see. I could see. It was amazing how much light a tail light bulb went off. And you could run several of them for hours on a battery charge. It was amazing. I really grew to understand this when I was there. So we are the light uh, of the world. And the next verse says, Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16 let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. But let me say it again. Psalms 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of God. How much more should his creation that was made in his image glorify him? You know, we often say, and we will quote a verse and say, whether you eat or you drink, do it to the glory of God. Everything we do should be bringing the glory to God. Years ago I was studying this out and I spoke on it for the first time. And, and a guy came up to me afterwards and he said, Mike, that was a good message. But he, he said, i got to tell you something. It's a lot harder than you think. Because sometimes my life doesn't bring glory to God. And that is so true. That's why we need to study God's word. We need to be in God's word. And we need to be growing and developing and, and not being ashamed of the gospel that we need to let our light shine. Are, are you letting your light shine? We need to. We need to. I want to read uh, a verse to you from Luke. Luke chapter 15. Parable here of the lost sheep, the coin, and the lost son. And it talks about a woman who's lost a coin. And you know what's amazing? In fact, Matt Little just spoke on this a couple days ago at NBBI. And he had a great, a great message, and I'm not going to repeat his, his message. And one of the things that he said is, you can have all the money in the world, but if you've lost it, does it have any value? You think about that. You think about that. But what happens when you find it? 
What happens? That ever happened to you? And in verse 9 of chapter 15, it says, And when she found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Now it has value. It has value. And the next verse says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Remember, the angels shouted with joy when God spoke the stars into existence. How much more are they going to rejoice when a sinner repents to the glory of God? We can't leave out that phrase, the glory of God. And tonight we're going to talk about that as well. So, I want to wrap this up. If we back up to Genesis chapter 11. They didn't want to scatter. God came down and he scattered them. Why? Remember? Everything God created, he created for a purpose, and he filled, and it was for his glory. And when someone comes to Christ, the light comes on. I, I want to share an illustration with you. It, it's too bad my wife's not here. It's too bad. I have a gem of a wife. My wife is a perfectionist. I'm her lifelong project. <laughs> <laughs> the first year we were married... Christmas, getting ready for Christmas was difficult. We had a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And even though we had a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, we, I went to the woods and I cut a cedar tree, put it up, we put the lights on it. I went around to grab whatever was next, the tinsel or garland or whatever. And I turned around ready to put it on the tree. And my wife says, oh, no, 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 not, not yet. Why? We already got the lights on. Well, because I have to adjust them. I have to adjust them. And, and my wife said to me, would you go in the other room and, and you know, just, just kind of look at an angle and, and tell me if, if there's any dark spots, if there's any spots that are, are not missing. Huh? Like that's what tinsel's for. That's what ornaments are for. Folks, it was painstaking for me. She even said to me, in the Canadian winter, go outside and look in the window. Tell me what it looks like. I said, honey, they're going to be going 65 when they go by. But you know what, folks? Last Christmas, last Christmas, the tree was all decorated. And I said to my wife, honey, we got to do something because that tree is driving me crazy because there's an area where there's no lights. <laughs> now, we enjoy humor. You've probably picked that up. And she said to me, did you get saved? <laughs> You know what, folks? Because I've learned. I've learned. I love a tree that is well lit, well decorated. And it is worth the time. It is worth the effort. It is. The earth is like a Christmas tree. God scattered them. God scattered them. And in fact, in Acts chapter 17, uh, verses 26 and 27, it says that he preached predetermined the places that he was going to place them. And that's why we have people living in these remote places. And when those people, when they come to Christ, remember Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He that what followeth me walketh not in darkness, but shall have the light of life in him. 
ye are the light of the world. And so when Margaret or Greg and Dominic, who were here uh, Friday and Saturday night, when they help spread the gospel, the lights come on. And, and, and God is glorified through that. And right now, folks, the world has a lot of dark places. Some of them are in India. Some of them are in Woodstock, New Brunswick. Some of them are in Madawaska. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing to send the light? What are you doing to share the light? We have a responsibility. And God desires that what? He's, he's willing that none perish. He doesn't want. He wants the light to come on. He wants to be glorified through them. So let's give it all we can to send the light whether it be across the street or across the globe. And, and that is going to be a fascinating day, Revelation, backing up to Revelation 5.9. That when every people group, every tribe, kindred tongue, there's not going to be <coughs> excuse me, any race problems there. We're going to be glorifying him, brothers and sisters. So let's send the light. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, we can clearly see your plan, that that you had a plan. You created, you filled, and the purpose was for your glory. We cannot bring glory to you without Christ, without becoming a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to send the light to the glory of God. Help us, Lord, to recognize that some of those dark places might be right next door. May we doing all we can, loving on them, praying for them, reaching out to them, sending the light to other parts of Maine and around the world to the glory of God. Lord, open our eyes to understand what an amazing God you are. The heavens declare the glory of God. Can't do it in our own strength. We need you, Lord. Burden us. Convict us. Guide us to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.